You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Good morning, welcome to the show. Start of a brand new week. It is York Ebor week, much more of which later in the show. A little bit grey here in TW11. Going to brighten up a little later. What happened over the weekend? Well, Van Dijk was the winner of the pre-morning. We'll be reflecting on that for Simon and Ed Crisford, their first Group 1 race. Uh, Andrea Adzani signing off from his career in Europe in some style. And, of course, he's picked up the ride on the star two-year-old Big Evs in the Nunthorpe later in the week. What else happened at Deauville? Marquise de Sévigny won the uh, Prigent Romanet, just getting the better of Via Sistina. And there were more fireworks in the sales ring at Arcana with two lots going for more than €2 million. David Yates is newsboy from the Daily Mirror, but we cannot start this podcast, David, uh, without some really sad news of Desert Crown, the horse who seemed fated never to relive his Derby Heights, and it seems very likely that'll never be the case now as he enters surgery today after a serious leg injury picked up on the gallops yesterday. Very worrying news indeed, Nick. Uh, Desert Crown has featured a lot in the Nick Luck Daily over the last uh, 15, 16 months or so. And often it's been a a frustrating injury that has ruled the horse out of big races. Remember, just to go through his career, remember that uh, a Nottingham winner from one race at two, he then won the Dante Stakes at York and beat Hu Yamal uh, by, I I thought, an impressive two and a half lengths at Epsom in June of last year. He really did look as though he was a colt who sort of had the 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 middle distance, if not the world, then the continent at least, at his uh, feet that afternoon. So Michael Stout's sixth victory, of course, in the derby. Since then, things have been, well, frustrating, say the least. He missed the King George of 2022 uh, with a foot problem, then, of course, was out for the remainder of last season, made his return in the Brigadier Gerard Stakes at Sandown in May, then missed the Prince of Wales' Stakes Royal Ascot and the King George. But these were just frustrating injuries. What happened yesterday is a good bit more serious. Um, Bruce Raymond, the racing manager to Saeed Sahail, Desert Crown's owner, reported that uh, he breezed. Then uh, Sir Michael Stout uh, rang Bruce and said... I'm afraid the horse has got a fracture. Uh, He was admitted to uh, the Newmarket Equine Hospital um, when, as you say, uh, he's to be operated on this morning. It looks, well, the the certainty is that Desert Crown won't run again this season, but I think that's understating it, that uh, it's very likely indeed that that we won't see him again. And it's just a, a, a question longer term in the past of what might have been in the shorter term and the here and now it's really just hoping that desert crown uh, comes through the surgery today and at least can um can live a life as a of as, as a stallion because what he did of course on the race course uh, was exceptional and the the last year and more have been very frustrating but now we just hope that he's going to be okay yeah, I think that's the key. It's just he's just got to pull through surgery today. Uh, they're, they're assembling a team. They've had to assemble a, a real team of specialists. Uh, Bruce Raymond was telling me last night, which is why they couldn't operate yesterday. 
I had to draft people in from from all over the country. It is a very complex injury, and if he does pull through today, then no one really knows what what his viability is as a stallion. So we are just really keeping our fingers crossed for Desert Crown. I, I was talking to uh, Sir Michael Stout's uh, assistant James Savage yesterday. He was a bit too upset, really, to to go on record and and talk on the podcast this morning. But he was saying that really that the horse. I hadn't got out of a canter. They weren't really doing anything particularly serious when the injury happened, but he was very, very keen to uh, give a lot of credit to to Kevin Bradshaw, who's one of the most experienced work riders in, in Newmarket, held a, a license for many years. And he said it was his quick thinking, really, that prevented anything more catastrophic uh, at the time. So it's a, it's a really sad uh, end, it seems, to, to Desert Crown's uh, career. And um, obviously we're thinking of everyone involved with him. At the moment, David, it was a crown that couldn't have been worn more heavily, really. Just before we move on from Desert Crown, Nick, I'd just like to recall uh, that day in June of last year. It was June the 4th, and uh, not only did Desert Crown and Richard Kingscote travel into the derby like a, a really a, a spectacularly good horse in embryo, I think, that day, but in a, in a human interest way, the, the the press conference afterwards was one of the most enjoyable in a way, frustrating and challenging because it involves Sir Michael Stout, who doesn't always uh, gush at uh, his meetings with the media. But there was a real feel good that day. Uh, Sir Michael Stout had been uh, his previous Derby win had been in in 2010 uh, with Workforce. Numbers had gone down at Freemason Lodge and and. Loads of us who regard the trainer with with deep affection and admiration had wondered whether there would be a six derby victory. And just that day, I, I, I think it's just worth mentioning there was a collective feeling of of warmth towards the trainer that he had uh, scaled the mountain for a, a sixth time and had a really spectacular colt uh, on his hands. And and just I'd reiterate what you said that all our thoughts are with everybody connected with desert crown that we hope that he, he comes through the surgery today and that the, the the memories of that day in in june will uh, certainly abide with me for the rest of my life we need to to transition now to the elation that must have been felt by simon and ed crisford just down the road in newmarket at deauville yesterday when their van deek was the winner of the pre-morning beating Christopher Head's Philly Ramatuel and the pair were nicely in front of River Tiber for Aidan O'Brien and Ryan Moore didn't get the clearest of runs. And those three were well clear in what looked a bang up to standard race. What, what did you make of, of the, the horse's performance, Van Dijk's performance, first of all? Well, I thought that it, it combined class and grit. Um, if you look at the race running from the two furlong to the one furlong pole, um, Van Dijk is travelling really smoothly. At Ramatuel, uh, the favourite, is uh, is in the lead a furlong and a half out. And it's then that Andrea Razzani, of course, soon to depart uh, for Hong Kong, um, gets serious with Van Dijk and he knuckled down really willingly in the end the, the the margin of victory is a short neck there are a couple of lengths uh to the good 
of River River Tiber. And yeah, I mean, it, it was a, another step forward from a horse who visually, I would say, is still learning on the job because the um, the way that he travelled, the way that he was going, the ease with which uh, he moved at the two furlong pole in France, if you see what I mean, um, betrayed a horse who's got so much ability. Um, then he did need to, uh, to roll his sleeves up and get on with the job, which he did and he won. And he's now uh, three from three. So I thought it was really promising. We're always we're always thinking about uh, horses who are Group One winners at six, and it looks like the Middle Park Stakes is next for Van Dijk. Whether they will stretch that stamina out uh, for a mile in the two thousand guineas uh, the following spring, uh, Simon Crisford said he felt that yesterday he felt that that the horse would get further. Um, all his three wins, Nottingham, of course, then uh, the Richmond Stakes at Glorious Goodwood, a group two, and then yes, at Dover, they've all been gained with giving the ground. And so uh, he has to show his form on a quicker terrain, but there's no reason at the moment to think that he won't be able to do that. But uh, a landmark victory for the father and son training partnership, uh, another big win for Andrea Atsani, and uh, certainly a, 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 the way that he did that yesterday triggers thoughts in my mind that there's still quite a bit more to come from a, a really likable really promising cult he was a quite a big money purchase at the breeze ups earlier in the spring and he's really delivering on the track now i have to pay tribute to stuart williams the new market trainer who was a guest on my racing tv show yesterday uh like on sunday and he he said i really like simon and ed Crisford's horse i said why he said well i've been timing breezes at the breeze up sales for years and years you know as long as they've been going and he said, normally there's a there's a just a a tick between the top few. And he said, effectively, Van Dijk won a 190 runner race over two furlongs by four lengths. <laughs> it was an incredibly compelling way of putting his case. So I immediately scurried off and backed him on the evidence on on what just on what Stuart Williams told me. Nothing, nothing of my of my own work at all. Yeah, but I mean, he cost 625 yeah. grand at the the. the craven breeze up sales and yes yeah, it's, it's you know the the emergence of um the, the the breeze ups over the last few years for top class horses has been noteworthy i, I used to do all my betting in the two-year-old uh sprint maidens and before the breeze up sales before the prices started going up you could you could be pretty sure or, or you had a good idea that you weren't going to run into a star in those races but as you say james willoughby used to say the same thing that yes this horse is making its debut but it's already won a 190 runner race so bear that in mind and that's as you say the case with van Dijk. it's it it just looks as though um that upward curve can keep keep going he'll have quicker ground i i suspect to contend with uh, when he runs in the middle park on September the 30th at Newmarket. But certainly so far, it's A-stars all the way. And the way that he did that yesterday, I suspect that there's still more to come. All right, Friday then, we caught up with a breeder of Van Dijk as she was on her way to Deauville, following this horse everywhere, Kelly Thomas from Maywood Stud. That had a very happy ending. Kelly, how are you feeling this morning? Elated. Ah. Absolutely elated. Don't tell anybody, but I slept with the trophy. <laughs> <laughs> How did you manage that? Um, what, sleeping with the trophy? Yes. <laughs> oh, well, it was quite uncomfortable, but yeah, it's fine. 
Um, so you, it was fair to say that you were in the thick of it. You know, the breeders of the horse, um, you know, the owners, I'm guessing, were there, were they? The, the Bahrain ownership, the KHK yeah, racing guys? Some of the owners were there, yes. Yeah. yeah. Some of the owners were there. And did they sort of make you feel like you were completely part of the journey? Absolutely. They were all so generous. Um, yeah, we, we managed to get a drink with them back at the sales bar later on, and um, everybody was just so happy. I said to you on Friday, this could be a complete game changer. Has it really sunk in what what this means for, for your stud, four or five brood mares, like group one winner and one of the best two-year-olds in Europe? Um, no, <laughs> it's starting to, and um, it would just be so exciting to see how our little stud can progress going forward. I really hope it'll make a difference, yeah. And, and have you have you had quite a bit of attention over the over the weekend? Have, have a lot of people noticed and got in touch with you? People that you perhaps hadn't hadn't expected. Um, yes, definitely um, from the media, um, which is just lovely and quite surreal. <laughs> well, I'm I'm hoping that the reality doesn't bite soon. I just wanted to catch up and say congrats from all of us, and thanks for thanks for chatting to us before the weekend. Oh, thank you, Nick. Thanks so much. And it is a, a, a fantastic story as well. Uh, well done to Kelly Thomas from Maywood Stud. Their first group one, a first group one for Simon and Ed Crisford, a first group one for Havana Gray, the stallion as well. And uh, very early in his career, but you could almost say not before time because he's done so well with these two-year-olds. He really is joining the, the elite now, which is is good to see for, for Whitsbury Manor Stud, who, who took a, a big chance on him. So well done to all all concerned with Van Deek. It wasn't a first Group 1 for Alexi Pouchard, but he hasn't been riding them very long, but he's had three in a month, uh, courtesy twice of Marquise de Sévigné and, and once in the uh, Grosse Price von Berlin at, at Hoppergarn. It's been an amazing month for him. He's now riding for André Fabu, Pay tribute to the way that these uh, young jockeys are being trained and brought through the ranks in France. And it was another Group 1 that stayed at home. You know, Van Deek apart, they pretty much all have this season. Uh, Dave Yates, which in a sense for international racing is, is good to see the French doing well, even if we are labouring the point somewhat. Indeed, it just seems to happen week after week, this, doesn't it? Yes, we did get a, a Group 1 victory yesterday, but how many times in 2023 have the Rosbeef uh, supplied a, a favourite for a, a Group 1 race in, in France? And most of the time, we've, fl- we've flooded with numbers collectively Britain and Ireland, and I don't think the French call the Irish Rosbeef. Um, but we, we've had really strong numbers uh, when we've gone for these Group 1 races, and time and time again this year, we've been repelled by the home guard. This time it was the old master, André Fab and Marquise de Sévigny, who beat via Sistina, the minimum margin of nose. But it's been a, a, a pattern that has been almost unbroken in 2023. And for those of us, I think, who are sort of Europeans, if you like, and and like to see strength and depth across the continent, I think that's a very good thing. Well, if we all enjoyed the success of of Van Dijk in the pre-morning over the weekend, there was probably one man uh, keeping a beadier eye on it than the rest of us, and that was trainer Adrian Keatley, based in, in Yorkshire now, and with high hopes of winning uh, the Acom Stakes later in the week with the horse that was second to Van Deek at Glorious Goodwood. Got all that? This is Ballymount Boy running in new ownership now, being acquired by Wathnan Racing. Uh, Adrian's with me now. Adrian, I- I'd imagine that the morning gave you a bit of confidence, didn't it? 
Yeah, it did. It, it did give me confidence, but I, I still wasn't relying on it to give me confidence. We, we're, we have the utmost confidence in our horse um, before yesterday, and, and yesterday just uh, confirmed our confidence even more. You know. I mean, you you are a man who will will roll the big big dice if you have to, but not not unnecessarily so. You know, when you went down to Goodwood, you went down with intent. What have you seen in the horse that we hadn't been able to see to that point? Uh, he's 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 a very nice horse. He's he's a big scopy horse. Um, he's a big engine. He's a great mind, and um, and I'd no doubts. Uh, I'd no doubts gone down to Goodwood that he was going to run a, a run a big race. Do you think going to Goodwood, which is a tricky track with its undulations, do you think that that has brought him forward mentally? Yeah. So look, um, that, that, I think the couple of races, even the first day he ran, he was very green and and very immature about how he went about it, and. Um, and then the next day he was he was he was not, he improved an awful lot, and it was a massive step from for him from Hamilton in, into Goodwood. He was competing around you know three or four, probably seventy rated horses in, in Hamilton to, to 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 be competing with probably hundred rated horses in Goodwood. So, and we feel he's he's come on a ton again from from that experience, you know. And Jason Hart takes the ride in new colours though. Wathnan Racing now uh, now in the yard. How how exciting a development is that for you? Yeah, it's good. It's good, and look, it's it's very important that like a a, a yard in in its infancy over here, um, it's 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 a big boost. But you know, the the most important thing now is that we deliver. Um, we deliver when we when we get such colours uh, in, into the yard. And you sound not not stupidly confident, but but pretty pretty assured about how he's going to run. Yeah, like like I mean. Um, we look at it, it's our local track. It's 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 our backyard. Uh, we think the step up and trip is going to is going to um, be a, be a plus for him. And um, yeah, yeah, we 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 we'd be disappointed uh, if we if we don't win, you know. Adrian, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Nick. Have a good day. All right, let's head to York then and get an update on what the conditions are like and what we can look forward to with the head of marketing and sponsorship, James Brennan. James, what's it like in York this morning? absolutely glorious nick it's the most the most stunning august morning uh and people are going about their business getting ready for the excitements to come uh i think as william forecast on like on sunday yesterday he's um the going's just tightened up that little bit so we've gone good good to firm in places this morning indicative of the recent dry spell we've had after all that miserable weather in july and um now, the excitement builds. The excitement builds. It's tremendous. Still no plans to water ahead of Wednesday? Uh, no, 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 no. There's, uh, you know, not at this stage, of course, that the clerks diligently keep that under review. They're, they're still talking about possibly some rain into Friday and Saturday. So, uh, you know, the, they know their obligations, um, but the, the track's in, in good shape. Uh, having had that rest since uh, the music showcase weekend, Adrian Kay and the team have been able to do good work on it. Um, and it's waiting to see those stars. I mean, cru- crucially, if people still want to go to York, uh, James, can they? And in which enclosures? They can, absolutely. We'd, we'd love to welcome each and every one of them. There will be tickets and badges uh, available on the gates for all areas. It's perhaps a little bit of nature of, of racing during the, the school summer holidays, that it's not quite as, as busy maybe as it is on some of those July Saturdays. So, yes, absolutely. Wait and see the, the declarations as they come through. See what tickles you fancy. If you want to come and listen to a Yorkshire brass band, if you want to try some East Coast crab, um, it's all here waiting for you. We'd love to offer you a warm Yorkshire welcome.
as you always do, of course. And anything this year that racegoers will find new or different or unexpected? If they'd not been with us since last year's Evo Festival, um, the Flying Frankie pub, uh, very apt as we say farewell to the Italian maestro, uh, is perhaps something that they will they will seek out. We've got our very own our very own IPA. The only place in the world that you can get Ebor IPA is here on the Knavesmire. So that's perhaps something to look out for, as well as the uh, the giant Yorkshire puddings, uh, which the guys have developed since this time last year. Um, for the horsemen, they won't notice it but they kind of will. We invested over the winter in the canter down. So, um, you know, that was a significant six-figure spend to to irrigate and relay the canter down. And you look at it and go, it's just grass. A lot more than that. So that's um, that's an investment on the equine side. And wherever we go, we we hope to do that. The All of the monies that uh, the York raises get reinvested back in prize money, uh, $6.4 over these four coming days alone, every race worth at least £100,000. They get invested in the fixed facilities. We, we're proud to have announced uh, a planning application to redevelop the southern end for those who know the Knavesmire, beyond the Knavesmire stand, the area down there. We want to, to do to the southern end what people seem to like, what we did at the northern end with a canopy over some lawns and, and improved access to, to toilets and betting and food and all those sorts of things. And then we invest it in the racing experience. Those uh, those Yorkshire bands that we talked about, New Beginnings will be with us if you want to meet a real racehorse. And uh, in, in the modern era, not only flower walls, but we've got a Frankie selfie trail. Why wouldn't you have, as we say farewell to him, and adieu, of course, to Andrea Razzani. Uh, indeed. Thank you so much, uh, James. Uh, much appreciated. Looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. Thanks a lot. Well, that was James Brennan. And David, we've got four wonderful days to look forward to, and we're going to be giving it blanket coverage on the podcast, clearly. And today we'll learn the declarations for the, the Judmont International. It, it's peeling apart a little bit for, for Paddington again, isn't it? I mean, Mostadaf is a is a formidable rival, but just how formidable do you think? Well, I, that's a question I've been asking myself all weekend, Nick, because... Mostadaf blitzed them in the Prince of Wales Estates. Just when we were looking into that race, I, I tipped my Prospera in that race because even though he wasn't one of the Group 1 winners in uh, that race, I thought that he was a, a top-level winner in Embryo. But we did have Group 1 heroes, Luxembourg, Adiar and Bay Bridge. Now, with the greatest respect to those that to that trio, I think they're all horses that we wouldn't necessarily want to build our houses on in terms of Group 1 form. Um, Luxembourg, possibly over a trip longer than his best, has subsequently finished uh, fourth to Hookham in the King George. Adiar is now retired, and we haven't seen Baybridge since. He is among the entries for uh, the, the Judmont on Wednesday. So with Mostadaf, did he blitz a field of... Well, he had five rivals, three of them uh, Group 1 winners. He won by four lengths. Was each below their best that day, or could you construct an argument, say, surely all three of them can't have run flat? I I'm leaning towards the latter argument at the moment, that they did underperform. But I'm, I was talking to um, a noted time expert yesterday who assured me that whatever I thought of, or whatever one thought about the performances of Luxembourg, Adiar, My Prospero and Bay Bridge, um, that the clock told him that 
Mostadaf that day was a very, very good horse indeed. Um, remember that he was a horse who was who was on the upper uh, 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 in the spring of last year when he was humbled by Bay Bridge in the Brigadier Gerard Stakes. And John Gosden, after the Prince of Wales win, said, no, no, we've always thought this horse was capable of doing this. He just needs to have his conditions. Uh, those conditions seem to be uh, quickish ground and 10 furlongs. He will get those at York on Wednesday. Um, if I can just put a slight plug in for our Daily Mirror coverage this week, we've yeah. got 12 page pullouts every day. And in Wednesday's edition, I'll be looking at six of the big shocks in uh, Judmont International History. And there are plenty of them uh, to choose from. Paddington is, I think, around an 8-13, 4-7 favourite. I think you can construct an argument here that with the likes of Mostadaf and uh, Nashua in attendance, this may well be the toughest assignment of his career so far. Yeah, and if you bat uh, Nashua each way with eight horses still in the field at 33 to 1, you're now looking at a, a third favourite who might go off a single-figure price in a field of about five. So uh, it's got a rather different complexion uh, now with the sad news of Desert Crown coming out and Al Flayler only there as a substitute should anything happen to Mostadaf. That's the Judmon International, the feature race at York on Wednesday. Uh, David, I don't want to dwell on the negative, but I've been sent this this morning and it is utterly nuts. York's racing on Wednesday takes place in, in company with Carlisle and Bath. And that's fair enough. Three afternoon meetings, probably nicely spaced out, and evening fixtures kicking in at Leicester and Kempton. So five flat meetings on Wednesday. Nothing that unusual about that, you'd think. But for the fact that there are two meetings tomorrow, Tuesday, and they're both jump meetings. So there is not a single flat fixture on Tuesday, yet there are two flat fixtures at Bath and Carlisle, both going head to head with the racing at York. Somebody explain to me how that makes any sense whatsoever. Now, you can premierize all you like and clear your schedules on Saturdays and um, have big press conferences about it. But the, the day to day um, has got to be has got to be treated with the same with the same respect in terms of what you're offering to to punters and what you're offering to race girls and what you're offering to the the, the um, participants as well. Surely it would make more sense for at least one of those flat meetings to be taking place on Tuesday, if not both. Yeah, I can't see that at all. I, I must admit that on um, it was only on Saturday morning when I started looking ahead to uh, each of the days next week that I realised that Tuesday had just two meetings and that they were both jumpers. As you say, uh, we've got uh, our, our cup runneth over uh, on Wednesday with uh, flat fixtures yeah it's it's a it's a it's a weird one that i can't provide you with an answer but it's it's um the point that you've just raised there is an interesting one with premierization and the window on saturdays it, it that doesn't seem to take account that, uh, of the fact that lots of our high class uh particularly flat racing is during the week and that that those um those windows are going to be just as full and cluttered in the past. It's 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 certainly been like look. I know print. I, we know how print is going. It's 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 an ailing part of the media uh, world, and 
it, it, I would be a, a fool to try and pretend otherwise. But it's something that has been a, a, a bugbear to me and my colleagues at the Mirror over the last 20, what is it, 21 years, that you, you get to these really good meetings in midweek and the space in the paper, it's just cluttered by um by the the number of race cards around it of course now for the big meetings we get around that by doing pullouts every day but yeah it, there is an awful lot of competition perhaps not in terms of uh, quality but certainly in terms of quantity uh, that york has to face on wednesday we'll hop you back to uh, deauville uh, quickly but this time to the sail ring at arcana uh, and that three-day sail that we were talking about with emma berry on friday i mean it didn't disappoint in terms of breadth of purchases, nor size of, of price tags. The top lot was 2.4 million euros, and that was for a Dubawi filly. And she's a half-sister to the Group 1 Prix de Labe winner, Wooded, and also the Group 1 Keeneland Phoenix Stakes winner of last week, Buccaneer of Fuerte. The, the dam can seem to do no wrong. And uh, I caught up with Oliver St. Lawrence uh, last night, who signed the ticket on behalf of Bahrain's Victorious. You know, they, you know, she was a lovely filly, and um, I knew when we bought her, when we, I saw her that she would, you know, potentially be on Sheikh Nasser's list, um, be bought for Victorious Racing, um, and um, just a lovely filly with a great pedigree, and um, whatever happens, she can be a, a nice foundation group man. Uh, and I realise that people say, well, she's got a fantastic pedigree. She's by Dubawi. It doesn't take all that much imagination. I guess the skill is valuing her, knowing who the other interested parties are and understanding where you're going to go to. Yes, I mean, one has to have a willing client. And Sheikh Nasser was very keen to, to buy, a, a, um, you know, something with a really a nice pedigree this last week. And um, I mean... Fazi Nasser myself advised him on on what we thought she was worth, and um, you know we weren't we were getting very much towards the end of, of where we were um, in in our minds. But uh, I don't know quite where Sheikh Nasser was in his mind. Uh, we were anticipating before the weekend this would be a good sale from a from a, an agent's point of view. When you looked at the horses that were on your on your shortlist, were you in any way surprised? Was that exactly what you were expecting? What, what did you think as a, as a group of horses? As a group of horses, I thought they were. You know, Arcana goes from strength to strength. They got a great team that go out there picking the picking the horses. You know, doing battle with goths and tats over what horses go to wherever, but. They had a pretty strong catalogue. Um, you know, you go and look at individuals and there are always some that slightly disappoint you from what you were hoping they would be like physically and others that are that, that, that you think, God, you know, they're even better than your, your pedigree suggests. Now, you bought a lot of horses for KHK Racing, the owners of Van Dijk. You didn't, however, buy, buy Van Dijk, but I guess the, if KHK Racing are having a good run, then that's, that, that's all good for, for you and everybody associated with them. Yes, I mean, uh, Van Dijk bought by Anthony Stroud at the Breeze Up Sales in Newmarket, and, um, I mean, he won very well today, and I know um, Sheikh Khalid um, of KHK was absolutely delighted and uh, yeah I mean I think it's good and it's good for, for Bahrain I mean they, they all love competing against each other as to who's going to win the next group one you know and a, a seriously smart performance in what looked the, about the best two year old race of the season 
must be the best two-year-old race of the season, wasn't it? It's got to be. It was, a, it was so deep, so deep, and bringing the French form together. And they pulled a fair way clear. Um, pulled a fair way clear. Uh, Oliver, thanks so much for chatting to me. Okay, great, Nick. Thanks a lot. All right, racing in America over the weekend. Chad Brown took a brace of graded races in Saratoga, including the Alabama Stakes, very impressively. The feature race at Del Mar was the Del Mar Oaks. It went the way of a filly. You might remember, if you were paying close attention to the all-weather racing during the winter in Great Britain last year, her name is Anisette. She's by Autard. She was trained by Kevin Philippard de Foy. She's now trained by Leo Powell. And she bolted up in the Del Mar Oaks under a nice ride from Umbi Rispoli. Now, it's not uncommon for European imports to really step up on their form in America, but this is a quantum leap, really. Mark McStay was the man who brokered the deal to get her out to the States. Mark, this is a big result, whichever way you slice it. Bigger than you could have imagined? Absolutely, Nick. A huge, a huge result and definitely much bigger and uh, much bigger than we could have ever envisaged. Um, you know, she was a very nice filly. She looked really progressive last year with Ke- with Kevin. Um, you know, and when you know she won at Wolverhampton and she won very impressively. It couldn't have been but taken by the way she did things. Um, and she looked like a filly who was very much on an upward curve. Um, but you know, did, 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 did I or Aaron Wellman, who you know was, who was sort of the Eclipse Thoroughbreds founder and the man I deal with in the Eclipse partnerships? Did either of us envisage that she'd win the Del Mar Oaks? No, this is the stuff of dreams, really. It's fantastic. And this is a this is a double strike for you as well, because rather unusually, you bought her as a yearling from the Somerville sale for twenty six grand, and then bought her again on somebody else's behalf. How often does that happen to you? Not really, not really very often. It was kind of a moving of deck chairs on the Titanic with her breeders. They were. They, they were adamant they weren't going to give her away and they decided that they'd form a racing partnership. And so when I signed for it, the Somerville said it was kind of to facilitate the forming of that racing partnership. So I knew all about the filly and I remember it clearly as a yearling. And it was sort of just after Christmas, I think, and I went to see her in Kevin's yard when she won the Wolverhampton. I, you know, she's lovely looking physical, a really nice type. And then I rang Aaron and I said, look, I think I found something and take a bit of a leap of faith here. And we did. And... Um, you know, thank, thankfully it worked out. I mean, she's she's just since she's reached California, Nick, she's gone from strength to strength. Oh. The man, manner of her victories has been really impressive every time. So, um, you know, look, it's been it's been an amazing journey, really. What's Leo Powell told you about her in terms of the horses he's had before and his aspirations for her and where he sort of feels that she's going to land up? I mean, she's got a Grade One under her belt in pretty short order. Yeah, to be honest, you know, she's never she's never disappointed. And the minute she's arrived in this barn, she's done nothing but please him and his staff. And clearly, he's done a superb job. When she won on debut out there, uh, on her American debut, it wasn't unexpected. And the manner in which she won was very impressive. And I heard murmurings from, from Leo and his team that they were going to wait for the San Clemente, which they did at Del Mar. And obviously, she won that really well. And then, you know, last night was was a, a wow performance, you know, just, you know, Umbi just, he, he just was very happy to sit out the back. He was so confident in her ability and, and let and let them all roll in front of him and then take them off. And then, you know, she just got a super run up the rail and, and, and put it to bed in a couple of strikes. Can't let you go, Mark, without asking you about plans for the, the Bon Ho horses, the legends, and, and whether we might be seeing a few of them down under in the, in the big, big spring races in, in Melbourne. Um, nothing set in stone, Nick, but definitely, um, you know, we had a great trip to Melbourne last year with Dover Legends, who ran fourth in the Cup. 
the I think Arasca had a bit like a bit like the Derby winner, he just really didn't like the surface um, and the King George so we're putting the line through that hopefully we're going to go to Windsor with him in I think it's a, a week a week from Saturday or next Saturday and you know if he was to run, run well there the Breeders' Cup or Melbourne are under consideration and Camber Legend is under consideration for the Voltager this week and he may go to a big race in Sydney in October we just, we're going to have to see how he runs this week at York so no, Mr. Ho's got some exciting, exciting horses. So we're we're very hopeful that we have a we have a winner, big winner for him very soon. Thanks a lot, Mark. Thanks, Nick. Bye bye. Well, a very special night tonight in uh, Ireland at the uh, Netwatch Cullen Park in Carlow. Uh, throw in six o'clock for the annual hurling for cancer research, and the the famed team captains, the fabled team captains, the trainer Jim Bolger and uh, former jockey Davy Russell, who who joins me now. Uh, David, just how how big a deal is this for you? How big a deal has this become for you? Uh, it's massive. You now we never dreamt that it would get as big as it uh, has, but it's it's kind of created its own its own kind of following. And uh, we've a uh, we've a change of venue tonight. Um, there's been work done in the usual pitch, so um, we're moving to Carlow, which is uh, uh, the centre of the country. You know, it's it's in the heart of the racing community. And uh, there's a lot of GA followers there, so it's it's both on both sides, mix in the middle, you know. It's it's Bulger's backyard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm stepping out of my comfort zone here now. Yeah, it's an away match for me, but um, <laughs> this won't have been lost on the great man, will it? No, no, no. He's got to, you should see the team that he's put together, Nick. It's it's pretty spectacular. Now, um, I'm I'm I need to up my game a little bit. Okay, so so who are going to be your star players? Do you think you've got Willie Dunphy as your captain? Yeah, Willie Dunphy is um, he 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 plays for Leash. He's an inter county. He's loads won loads of county finals for his uh, his club. And uh, Willie's a good solid man. His uh, his good wife uh, held me together for a good few years. Um, Neve Guy, she's a very good physio up there around Gardens. She they live up around. Um, Garden, so Willie's going to be captain, and after that, then it's star studded the whole way through from Wexford to Galway to all over the all over the country. Tipperary, Brendan Cummins, there's Waterford. I've very, I've a little, I've a secret weapon up my sleeve now. Um, Leisha, Leisha, a girl that played in the All Ireland Camogie final. So we're going to unleash her on a few of them Limerick lads uh, later on this evening. Oh, I look forward to seeing that. Um, yeah. Do you feel do you feel like you're riding the outsider in a match, uh, and you've just got to be a bit sneaky and a bit canny and a bit just use all that Russell guile? Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> it's like Willie has four and Gordon has one, and we just have to um, navigate our way around it. Um, you raise a lot of money here as well for for cancer research. What what kicked it off in the first place? It was something that, that, look, we used to do as jockeys during the summertime. We used to get a match together between kind of different lads. One side, the way professionals against amateurs, anything at all, just for an excuse to have a bit of crack and raise a few quid. And uh, then Jim said that he'd put a team together and I'd put a team together and we'd mix it and give the funds to cancer research. And we never dreamt on getting this big. It's just created it's like a snowball it's just got bigger and bigger and bigger and uh, people love it uh, the lads enjoy playing it and we enjoy ourselves while we play it and we enjoy ourselves afterwards 
I have no doubt. Davey, um, thanks so much. Uh, Hurling for Cancer Research has raised over 1.3 million euros uh, since 2011, which is amazing. Uh, and uh, if you want to go along tonight, you still can. Now watch Cullen Park. 4.30, uh, gates open. Pre-match entertainment refreshments before throwing at 6. And it's 10 euros for adults and 15 euros for families. And you can just head to the website, hurlingforcancer.ie. But if you're too late for that, you can just rock up and buy tickets on the gate. And there's loads of free parking as well. So get yourselves down there. Um, in Carlo tonight as well, change of venue. Davey, thanks so much. Good luck. Thanks very much, Dave. Speak to you soon. All right. Thank you to all my guests today. David Yates is still with me, and he's got something for you for this afternoon. We're going to go to the 7.50 race at Lingfield tonight, Nick, and it's number seven, Sparked, a horse who has drawn a blank so far from seven starts this season, but was just beaten a neck at Windsor eight days ago, is well handicapped, on old form, not not that old form either, on a BHA mark of 51. And if Luke Catton can get towards that favoured stands rail at Lingfield over the five furlongs, I think Sparked will take some catching here. 750 race at Lingfield Park. Selection is number seven, Sparked. All right, David, thank you so much. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, that's it for today. We will be back tomorrow when we will be looking ahead in more depth to York's Ebor Festival that begins on Wednesday. See you then. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Thank you.